The Old Testament reading is taken from Genesis 15, verses 1 to 21. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. But a son will, not be, my, will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgaites, and Jebusites. Thanks, Jack. Well done for all those names. You drew the short straw with Jane there on getting the reading, didn't you? Uh, well, we're going to be thinking about that reading from Genesis 15. You might think, what a strange reading to have from the Bible. Well, we're in a little series uh, called Gripped by Grace, looking at the uh, second half of Genesis, from Genesis chapter 12 uh, to the end, Genesis chapter 50. We looked at God's promises to Abraham last week, and uh, we're seeing how that is going. Uh, this week. But let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your amazing grace to us. Uh, we thank you that you call us uh, to be in your family. And we praise you for that. And we pray that as we learn more now about what it means to be in your family uh, through faith, uh, that you would help us, you would strengthen our faith, you'd protect our faith, uh, you'd call us to faith in the Lord Jesus. Amen. 
Well, no one at our 8 o'clock service knew what happened on this date. I wonder about anyone here. Do you know what happened on April the 14th, 1970? It was a little bit before I was born. Um, I was born at the end of the decade, but some here would have been born, and it was a, quite a global event, I think, uh, that would have hit the uh, headlines and gripped the nation here. Anyone want to guess what it is? No, some get some? No? Sorry? Pope visiting Australia? No, it wasn't. Could have been, could have been that, yeah. Okay, I don't think anyone's got it, have they? So I'm going to tell you. It was the day of a famous quote uh, that went like this. Houston, you can probably all complete it now. We have a problem. Yeah, it was the Apollo 13 mission. Uh, and it was, the Apollo 13 was on its way to the moon, to land on the moon. Um, and on April the 14th, 1970, uh, they radioed back down to base and said, Houston, we've had a problem. Uh, main B bus undervolt, uh, which is some kind of electronics thing, had gone wrong. What had happened is that one of the oxygen tanks, oxygen tank number two apparently, had exploded and it was causing them to be low on oxygen and then low on power. Uh, Apollo 13 was nearly 200,000 miles from the Earth, so quite far away really. Um, and a mission to the moon and to land on the moon became a rescue mission to keep Fred Heiss, Jim Lovell and Jack Swigert alive and bring them back to Earth. Well, here's a picture of the uh, capsule that did land back on Earth. Wonderfully, on the 17th of April, uh, 1970, just three days later, the astronauts had survived their ordeal and fixed things up and cobbled things together, uh, gone to different backup plans, and they made it safely uh, back to Earth. Well, last week, we saw God's wonderful mission uh, a mission uh, and, and of giving promises to Abraham back in chapter 12. And he promised Abraham wonderful things. He promised him a land to live in. He promised him a great big family. And he promised blessing for Abraham and indeed that all the world would be blessed through him. But now in chapter 15, Abraham has a couple of God, we have a problem moments. As Abraham identifies two big problems with God's mission. First of all, well, the family isn't going too well. He's got no children. And then secondly, what's, what's going on with the landlord? There's all these other nations, as we heard in that reading, living in the land. How is he and his family that he doesn't have, in terms of children, going to possess the land? Well, let's pick things up at the start of chapter 15 on the screen here. Chapter 15, verse 1. After this, that is after Abraham rescued his nephew Lot. You can read about that in chapter 14. He got caught up in the battles between some kings for land around where Lot was living. Abraham rescued him and actually rescued all sorts of other things and uh, plunder as well and gave that back to those it was stolen from. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. And God reassures Abraham that he will protect him. And his reward is not the spoils of battle that he could have legitimately kept, but he gave back to the other people. But his reward is God himself. But Abraham quickly interjects with a problem. He says, God, there's a problem. I have no children. Have a look with me at verses three, uh, 2 and 3. But Abraham said, in response to what God said to him, Sovereign Lord, 
What can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Notice there that Abraham states the problem twice, doesn't he? Both times he explains to God that he's got no child and a servant will be his heir. Now, no doubt... There's great sadness for Abraham and his wife, Sarai, in having no children. A sadness, perhaps, that some here know too sharply. But also, in their culture, along with sadness, there's shame that goes along with childness. And Abraham is saying to God, look, you talk about being my very great reward, and that's all well and good, but it doesn't help me, does it, God? What about your promise? You said that you would make me into a great nation and nothing is happening on that front. God, we have a problem. There's no children. But God has a plan. And he will keep his promise. He responds to Abraham in verse 4. The word of the Lord came to him, this man, Eliezer of Damascus, the servant, will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Your own son will be your heir. This is God's plan. It's still his plan. It's not going to change. He's committed to it and he confirms it now to Abraham. A slave won't get your inheritance. Your very own son will. And then God gives Abraham a wonderful picture of the future. He takes him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. I mean, this is a mind-blowing moment, isn't it? God is promising Abraham offspring, as many as there are stars in the sky, which is basically uncountable. What a promise of God's. I don't know if you've ever seen the amazing stars in the sky, perhaps not quite like in the picture here. Uh, You have to go a bit out of Sydney, don't we? If you really look up at nighttime here, you see a few of the biggest and brightest stars, but not that many. But if you get out to the country, uh, as I have uh, from time to time, and you're there overnight, and you look up at the night sky, you suddenly see all these stars. It's amazing, isn't it? Have a look next time you're there. That's what God says to Abraham. Look, you can't count all those stars, can you? Well, you're not going to be able to count your descendants, Abraham. You will indeed be a great nation. But at the moment, from our limited human point of view, it's not looking likely, is it? So what does Abraham do? Let's have a look at verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord. He believes this promise of God. And he, that is the Lord, credited it to him, credited that faith, that belief to Abraham as righteousness. And there's a lot going on in just these few words. But God is providing Abraham righteousness by faith. Now let's unpack this a little bit. Firstly, what does it mean to be righteous? Uh, Well, it's a legal word. 
where the righteous are those who will be acquitted by the judge. And so in the spiritual realm, God is saying the righteous are those whom I, the judge, will acquit. I will find them not guilty. And because Abraham believed God, he took God at his word with this wonderful promise that seems unbelievable, God now declares that he finds Abraham not guilty. He declares Abraham to be in the right with him, even though Abraham is a sinner. And we've already seen in the narrative that sin brings death. But something different is going to happen now. And so begins the wonderful biblical truth that we are justified, that we are made right in our relationship with God, not by what we do, not by works, but by faith, through believing God's audacious promises. See, you and me, we can be right with God. But it's not by what we do or don't do. It's by faith by trusting in God's promises. That's Paul's argument that we had in that reading from Romans 4. I'm just going to look at a few verses from the end of that chapter now. Here they are on the screen, Romans 4, verse 20 to 25. Yet he, Paul is writing, the Apostle Paul is writing of Abraham, yet he, Abraham, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he'd promised. All those descendants. That, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. But here's the thing, Paul says, these words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, Christians, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He, that's Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. See, Paul says God's word to Abraham about how he was credited with righteousness because of his faith was not for Abraham alone. It's a wonderful word for us as well. And so one thing we're to learn from Abraham is that we're not right with God by what we do. We can only be right with God by believing God's gracious promises and how he comes through on those promises, despite how unbelieving they seem. But this is against every natural tendency I think we have, isn't it? Because if you're like me, you love to be self-reliant. We love to do it ourselves, don't we? Whom are you relying on for salvation, for rescue, to be right with God? Is it yourself? by what you do or what you don't do? Well, that won't be good enough. God says a right standing only comes with him through believing his promises, through God, through what God has done and will do. And we see that supremely, as Paul shows us, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this first problem of Abraham's having no child at that time leads us and leads him to learn of how we're right with God. Not through what we do, but through faith, through belief alone. But despite God's wonderful promise of offspring as numerous as in the stars and the sky, and Abraham believing that, Abraham quickly goes to a second problem, 
which is to do with the land that God has promised. Have a look with me in verse 7. God also says to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham foresees a problem with this promise of the land. He foresees a problem in possessing the land. He says in verse 8, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And implicit in this is Abraham seeing that the land has other people living in it, powerful nations. How can Abraham have the land? But again, God says to him, no, I'm committed to my promise to give you this land. Your descendants, God says, will be enslaved. But yet they will come back here to the wonderful promised land. It's just going to take a bit of time more than 400 years. And God reveals his plan in another picture, or actually really a performance, as he makes or literally cuts a covenant with Abraham. The Lord makes a covenant with Abraham. God tells Abraham in verse 9 to go and get a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, and also a dove and a young pigeon as well. And Abraham gets them. And then he cuts the animals in half, but not the birds. And he arranges the halves opposite sides of each other. Uh, perhaps like in this picture here, or imagine down opposite sides of the aisle of the church here. And Abraham is preparing a covenant. He's preparing a binding agreement between two parties. And what would happen uh, in those days, in, in the history then, the parties to the covenant would pass through those pieces those pieces of cut animals. And by their action, they would be effectively saying as they pass through those pieces, may I be killed and cut in half like these animals if I break my promises, if I break this covenant. But we're told the sun is beginning to set and Abraham falls into a deep sleep and a thick and terrible darkness comes over him. And then God speaks and tells Abraham of his plan of how he will possess the land. Have a look at verses 13 to 16. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain, this is a done deal, it's a sure thing, that for 400 years what's going to happen is your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They'll be enslaved and mistreated there. You can read about that in the book of Exodus. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, Egypt. And afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age, Abraham. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here after that slavery and rescue. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now, in all these words that God will bind himself to by covenant, we have a condensed preview of the next few books of the Bible. And just a brief aside, just at the end there, note why it is that God is giving Abraham and his descendants a land that belongs to others at this time. Have a look at the end there. It is because the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. The Amorites and the other nations are included up in that. 
See, we see here that God will judge sin. And the judgment on these nations will be to drive them out from the land. He's giving them a bit of time, but it will happen. And God isn't unfair in this judgment. He always judges sin. He even judged, judged his own people who were in the land for their sin, if you know how the story of the Bible goes on. And God's own people for their sin were, the Bible puts it, vomited out of the land. They were exiled from the land. See, God promises, though, in this covenant that he makes with his people, that he will give them this land. Have a look at verses 17 to 21. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot and a blazing torch, they're picturing the presence of God, appeared and they passed between the pieces. Now notice that Abraham doesn't. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt, so down south, to the greatest river, the Euphrates, and the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites. I find if you say them quite quickly, you'll probably get something about right as how they're said. But God says to your descendants, I will give this land. And God is making a covenant with Abraham, isn't he? And it's a covenant of grace. Abraham has done nothing to deserve this. In fact, notice, as I said, that God is the one who goes through these pieces. Abraham doesn't. He's kind of sleeping in this vision state. And God is the one who says, well, I will be cut to pieces if this doesn't happen, which, of course, can't happen. God is totally showing here how this will happen. And he's going to enter into, he enters into a covenant to prove that. See, God says to Abraham, this possessing of the land is not going to be a problem for me. You might think it's a problem, but it's not a problem for me. And I've bound myself to your descendants living in this land. I've given you a covenant that doesn't depend on you, but it depends on me. A wonderful covenant of God's grace. Abraham doesn't deserve it. You see, Abraham comes up with these problems, doesn't he? His problem of, I've got no children, and what about the land? How are we going to get it? And through those problems, we've seen two wonderful things that go throughout the Bible. We've seen that God gives righteousness by faith to those who believe in him. And God provides a covenant, a done deal of grace. And God is teaching us here, if you're a follower of his, he's teaching us to imitate Abraham and to imitate Abraham's faith. See, at times we can often think, can't we? God, now there's a problem. We can think that, can't we? There's a roadblock ahead. Maybe it's to do with our walk with God and our faith. And we, we think, is this all too good to be true? Can I really believe that I can be saved? Can I really be in God's family? Because I really don't deserve it. I'm not good enough for God. I've sinned again. Well, Genesis 15 
It says, yeah, we don't deserve it. But it says, imitate Abraham and imitate Abraham's faith and trust this wonderful God. Look to what God says. Remember Jesus' words in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes... That's what Abraham did. He believed God, didn't he? Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And it's as we believe in God's Son, the Lord Jesus, and his death and resurrection for us, that God credits righteousness to us, that we're right with him, even though we're sinners. And then Abraham shows us to look to what God has done. God has provided a covenant. He's made a covenant with his people, a covenant of grace. And as that moves on into the New Testament, we see there's a new covenant that we don't deserve. A new covenant in the death and resurrection of Jesus. A covenant that says and that promises and that seals God's promise, I will rescue you. As you look to me, and I'll bring you beyond death to my kingdom. So just like Abraham, for us there is no problem too big in our journey of faith with God that can exclude us from God's blessing. This blessing he promised to Abraham and through Abraham that is fulfilled in Jesus. There's no problem too big because we are gripped by grace. God has us safe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. Heavenly Father, thank you that there's no problem too big for you, as we've seen in the life of Abraham, these big problems of no children and how are we going to be in the land? Well, there were no problem for you. And in fact, through them, you show two wonderful things of how we can be right with you. Oh Lord, please help us not believe the lie that we can be right with you by what we do. But Lord, would we only believe and cling to the truth that we're right with you through what you have done for us. And as the Bible story goes on, we see that it's supremely in the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the new covenant that Jesus brings in. A covenant of grace. A covenant shed in his blood that says that we are yours and we are safe in Jesus. So we thank you for this grace and that you hold us fast in it. Help us believe. Amen.